Keep Your Cool is a podcast about Star Wars RPGs. Cover art for the show provided by Silas Bazaar. All music for the show provided by Louise Humanoid. Links for both of them are in the description of the show. Thank you for listening. Hello there. Welcome to episode three of the Keep Your Cool podcast. I'm your host, Davis Ballou. Well, here we are finally, three weeks later this time. I have some excuses this time. I had about a week where my power was out. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And then I had another week where I got a, I got a job offer and had to, had to deal with a lot of the paperwork at that point in time. So some good stuff happening, some bad stuff happening, but ultimately here we are three weeks later for episode three. Uh, and I'll be honest, I'm kind of at a loss for ways to start the episodes right now other than just rambling for a little bit. Still no news from Fantasy Flight. The only real developments happening in the community are things that are being developed by the community itself. Things on Reddit, um, you know, different open open projects that are going on right now, uh, trying to develop sci-fi assets, graphics, textures, models, that sort of things to add to Programs that are already, that are already out there, like D twenty and other online RPG resources, but I guess other than that, uh, there's no reason not to just jump right into the show for today. So, the past three episodes, I focused on a particular planet, and then this week, I decided to take a much broader look at the galaxy as a whole. I want to have a series of topics to sort of break up the planetary discussions and prevent any sort of monotony from cropping up. So. Today's episode, as you may have noticed, is titled An Intro to the Galaxy. Really what I'll be introducing today are the main sectors of the galaxy, the different rings, regions, sectors, and stuff like that that define the galaxy as a whole. I can say a planet is in this sector or this rim, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't know what the area is or what defines it. Knowing that extra little bit of information can really help GMs make their stories come alive by bringing out those unique elements of the area of the galaxy where their story is taking place. I think this will bring up a great opportunity to bring up space travel, hyperlanes, those sorts of things that are really crucial from getting from point A to point B, but it's seldom a thing that a player or GM would go first to inspect when they start up a new game. So before I jump into kind of talking about these different regions, I'm just going to give an overview this week and maybe in in future weeks kind of do uh, deeper dives into these specific regions. But uh, the first thing I want to... I guess, uh, layout is how exactly these things are defined, how exactly these regions are defined. So in the very center of the universe, in the very core, there is something called the deep core, which we'll talk about. And that's sort of the center of the galaxy. That is where everything else has sort of spread out. Everything else tends to spread out from there. There's in fact a black hole in the very center of it that kind of keeps everything, um, I guess, centered around it. And then so throughout the years, as they would run out of space on these many planets for their civilians, they would send these colonization expeditions to the surrounding planets, uh, to these places that they hadn't really explored very much at the time. And so you kind of see these rings appear around the core. Um, you know, different. you've got the deep core, and then around the core are the core worlds, and then around those are the colony worlds, and around those are the inner rim, and, and so on and so forth. And you'll see... On the galaxy map, they kind of form these rings 
around each other, showing that they were just moving outwards, expanding uh, the radius of the known galaxy, I guess you could say slowly and slowly. And then, yeah, those those borders, quote unquote, they're not, nothing really hard set defining, uh, you know, no, no road signs or anything saying you are now exiting this sector. But, um, you know, the borders that you will see on maps are sort of defined by uh, at what point in time uh, during which expedition, I guess you could say, it was actually uh, colonized. Now, amongst those planets and between the different rims, there needed to be ways to travel, right? And so there are hyperlanes that are made that can, you know, be massive ones that go from the middle of the galaxy to the very out, uh, outward edges. That would be the big ones like the Hydean Way, the Corellian Run. And then there's smaller ones, um, smaller ones that go just within one or two rims or maybe just stay within the sector, you know, uh, maybe just connecting some of the larger systems within uh, within one ring or something like that. So lots of different ways to travel. And, and I kind of spoke a little bit during the Pijal episode about, you know, how those are really made. But essentially, they're just ways, hyperlanes are just areas of space that are tame enough, that are gravitationally stable enough for the routes to be predictable for space travel. And so there, there's nothing, there's no infrastructure necessarily in place physically uh, other than, you know, maybe some gravity well generators or just the placement of the planets and the, and the satellites in that area that are stable enough to where you can comfortably map out, comfortably and confidently, I guess, map out a way through there, a way through that space. And that, that's sort of the value of these hyperlanes is, you know, not everywhere is, is safe to travel, as, as we'll see here in a bit. You know, not everywhere in space is going to be safe to travel due to gravi- gravity or due to uh, space anomalies and stuff like that. And so having those hyperlanes, having those areas of knowing, okay, this is where I can travel safely is very valuable, especially for traders and for security forces and even militaries. Um, though sometimes it is advantageous to maybe take the back roads, which I don't know if we'll get into much today, but maybe in the future. So let's begin in the center with a deep core. As the innermost portion of space, the deep core is very densely packed. Legends say the amount of stars in this region is roughly around 30 billion. It is the home to a black hole that sits in the very center of the galaxy and was known to have even messed with the space-time of nearby planets. Not that I know much about that. The most famous planet in this rim is definitely Tython, an Earth-like planet that's incredibly strong in the force. The air of Tython is breathable, although the atmospheric pressure is greater than average due to its position in the deep core. And from what we see in the Mandalorian, the now barren surface of Tython bears a striking resemblance to perhaps West Texas or Southern California. Trade routes and hyperlanes are hard to come by in and through this area due to the treacherous nature of the many gravitational pools in a relatively small area, not to mention the galactic center black hole I mentioned earlier. The ones that do exist, however, are very valuable due to their rarity, and Emperor Palpatine himself has been known to take an interest in mapping this area for the purpose of finding new pathways. Astrogators, beware. Circling the deep core are the core worlds. While still close to the center of the action, this area is a little less intense to travel around in. In fact, most of the upper levels of galactic society function here, from planets like Coruscant and Chandra-La, the centers of galactic politics throughout the ages, to planets like Corellia and Kuat, which are home to many of the leading starship producers. You'll also find some of the most stable, active hyperlanes in the, ga- in the galaxy, and really in the core, but... With this increased stability comes increased watchfulness. 
regulations, shall we say, the sources of income are here for the empire. Uh, th so they are incredibly vigilant when it comes to patrolling this area. <clears throat> There's quite a motivation to protect them on their side. So expect the actual space travel itself to be quite smooth on the more warm pathways, but maybe with a few more stops, checkpoints, tollways, that sort of things. Not to say the players will have to follow the rules when they enter these areas, that is. And it's interesting to note that uh, in the original trilogy, our only glimpse of worlds even near the core is in the victory montage at the end of Return of the Jedi. So it brings up an interesting question of what sort of trouble can rebel cells cause in the tightest parts of the Imperial grip? Is there any money to be made for outlaws and smugglers? What sorts of things can a force user do under the most watchful eyes of the Empire? We move on now to the colonies. Just outside of the core worlds lies a group of planets known across the galaxy for being the hubs of education, finance, and technology. Most of the important trade routes in the core also snake their way through the colonies and beyond, making the colonies almost like an intergalactic shopping mall, for lack of a better term. Perhaps that's not the best analogy, but many of the ruling powers in the galaxy took advantage of the fortunate traits of these planets, many of them being rich in resources, and were thus took over for mining operations and, even during times of war, military production. These production facilities were likely even more valuable than those in the outer reaches of the galaxy due to their centralized position. Protecting them would require less stretching from their operators. During the Clone Wars, the Separatists held a great amount of power in the area, especially on planets like Cato Nemoidia, the home of the Nemoidians, such as Newt Gunray, who you might recognize from Episode 1 or any of the prequels for that matter. No matter when your campaign takes place, the colonies can be an exciting place to hang around, despite the docile name. After the destruction of the second Death Star, Emperor Palpatine's post-death contingency plan, Operation Cinder, took effect. This plan was essentially much more violent and large-scale version of taking the ball and going home. It consisted of using orbital lasers to scorch the surfaces of planets and upset the balance of life, which would in turn cause turmoil for the planet's ecosystems and inhabitants. So essentially, this planet failed me. If I can't have it, no one can. Many of the worlds in the colonies and beyond were targeted by this attack, including planets like Abednado and Kaminoor. Players could help evacuate those planets, disrupt Imperial efforts, or something that added to that extent. It also wouldn't be out of the question for a post-Clone Wars party to go and find some stashed away Trade Federation wealth on one of the former Separatist worlds. Or perhaps a during Clone Wars party to go and negotiate some sort of treaty. Like I said, I'll do some future episodes and take a look at these areas, but for now, just know that there are pretty much going to be endless opportunities anywhere you go in the galaxy. Therefore, in the interest of time, I will move on to the Inner Rim. Still sitting along most of the major trade routes, the Inner Rim planets were the main focus of the colonization push that occurred by the early galaxy just after the colonies. And these worlds did pretty well for themselves also. Planets like Biren and our previously visited Pijal sat fairly quietly in this pocket of the galaxy up until the Empire decided that simply would not do any longer. The Empire recruited heavily in this rim with a great success for a long period of time. Their actions, however, turned some of their hearts all the way over to the Rebellion, the hearts of the citizens, that is. There are multiple events the Empire is responsible for that the galactic media d dubbed atrocities. One such event was coordinated by Grand Moff Tarkin himself, and saw the citizens of the moon Antar IV being imprisoned and even executed for their loyalty to the Separatists during the Clone Wars. Even some Republic loyalists were caught up in this. GMs could put their players right in the middle of one of these atrocities and have them decide how to fix the situation or leave it. 
One of my favorite regions in the galaxy is in the Inner Rim, which is the Hapes Cluster or the Hapes Consortium. It's a unique area of space that Legends describes as being engulfed by something called transitory mists. This region of ionized space was incredibly difficult to travel through, which in turn allowed the Hapen people to live in relative seclusion for a great deal of time. As a result, the Hapes Cluster is closed is home to many things that are otherwise unseen anywhere else in the galaxy, making it an excellent setting if you want to make a campaign stand out as unique. I always try and compare Star Wars RPG elements with things in D&D, Dungeons & Dragons, one of those things being the really strange settings D&D can place players in. And while it's true that the planets of Star Wars give endless possibility of environments and ecosystems, entire areas of space that are near unknown to the rest of the galaxy can provide a new sense of alien to players who are maybe somewhat used to the variety of the normal galaxy. We'll continue on with the next galactic ring, the Expansion Region. This region is largely defined by the exploitation of corporate entities of the planet's resources that left many of these worlds in near shambles environmentally. So whereas the colonies were pretty well used for the resources, the Expansion Region was pretty well left barren. One of the more unique areas that might be a little less depressing than the neighboring systems is the Ghost Nebula. Yes, even the name sets it apart. It is in the region it is in this region that players will find the planet Umbara, home to the native Umbarans, who are known across the galaxy as the Shadow People. If you've seen the Clone Wars, you've likely seen the four episode arc of General of Jedi General Ponkrell leading the five hundred and first Clone Legion in a, in a disastrous campaign across the planet's surface. The Umbarans are another example of seclusion leading to strange technology. They incorporated more lithe designs in their ships and made extensive use of plasma for their weapons and shielding, which is somewhat used throughout the rest of the galaxy, but not a crucial part like the Umbarans uh, make it in their own technology. There are certainly many opportunities for interesting campaign arcs in the Ghost Nebula, as well as the Inner Rim as a whole. Um, many, I'm sorry, this is expansion region, my bad. Many Imperial operations occurred in this area, making use of the production centers already put in place and utilizing the still very numerous shipping lines to transport, transport parts for things like the Death Star and other such projects. All right, moving on to the Mid-Rim. This region is perhaps the most diverse of the bunch so far, being home to planets like Naboo, Kashyyyk, Takodana, Toidaria, and Bothawi, just to name a few. Many of these planets did fairly well for themselves when left alone, but were prime targets of the Empire during their reign. This was likely due in part to the fact that Emperor Palpatine was a native of Naboo, and his desire to keep that world firmly in his control. In fact, Naboo was a target of Operation Cinder, which I mentioned earlier. Luckily, the efforts to disrupt this planet were coincidentally disrupted, and the planet remained untouched, at least by the satellites. This region saw the hunting and enslavement of Wookiees of Kashyyyk by the nearby Trandosians, who used them for either labor or for sport. We can see the sport aspect very grimly in the final episodes of Season 3 of The Clone Wars, when Ahsoka Tano is captured and brought to one of the Trandosian hunting worlds. It is there that she meets the Wookiee Chewbacca, amongst others, and they outsmart their captors and take down that specific group of Trandosian hunters. There's plenty of adventure to be found in this area if players desire, but also some places of respite. Naboo was a site of many battles after Operation Cinder to keep the planet free of Imperial control and allow the planet to remain the peaceful refuge we all come to know it as in Episodes 1 and 2, as well as the, as well as the books Queen's Shadow and Queen's Peril, which I'm in the middle of in right now. I'm in the middle of reading right now, that is. 
Players could be in the middle of such a rest when all of a sudden an Imperial fleet enters the system and must be repelled by the standing defenses. The players are called upon to help and become an integral part of the defense. Or perhaps they themselves have been captured by some hunters and must follow the example of Ahsoka and her friends in using their wits to bring down their captors. And we move right along now to the Outer Rim. This is where the grip of control from the ruling powers in the central portion of the galaxy start to loosen. From the main hive of scum and villainy that is Tatooine, to the war-torn planet of Ryloth and the chaotic worlds of the Huts, known as Hut Space, this part of the galaxy seems to always be in endless turmoil. The Republic, Separatists, and later the Empire always tried to strengthen their foothold in this area to various levels of success. Most of the successful rebel cells were able to form here, as the rim was simply too much to handle between its distance from the capital worlds and the vastness of criminal activity to be monitored. This far out, you'll also be able to start to find some of the stranger, more unknown worlds. Secret worlds like Dagobah, dangerous surfaces like Mustafar, and the more calm mystery places, um, places of mystery like Yavin 4, our most recent trip, make up just a few examples. The Outer Rim has quite a large monopoly on the screen time in the movies, especially the original trilogy, sequel trilogy, and the standalones. It is also where most campaigns will take place, if I had to guess, and for good reason. The variety mixed with the nostalgic familiarity makes this area a go-to for my own campaigns. And if you're looking to put together a smuggling crew, this is the place. If you're looking at picking up some bounties on the side, this is the place. If you're wanting to join a fledgling, fledgling rebel cell and do your part to help the fringes of the galaxy, this is the place. But once you start to move further out, way out even beyond the Outer Rim, you reach possibly the most shrouded area of the known galaxy, ironically named the Unknown Regions, which can be used synonymously with wild space, although some consider them to be different regions entirely. These areas will require maybe a couple of episodes <clears throat> to cover and to get a good glimpse of them. But even the in Legends and in the newer canon, there's this fascination with the um, the governing bodies of the galaxy seem to have with what's beyond, what's beyond the mapped universe. Essentially, once you get past the Outer Rim, uh, those hyperlanes I talk about, well, they're not really existent anymore. No one's really mapped out the area next, uh, the area beyond. There haven't really been any big colonization pushes. There have been some smaller ones that have largely failed, but no one has really reached out into the into the unknown regions, into the wild space regions too much. And so it, it remains shrouded in mystery. Now, we know that, that things are out there. We know that the Chiss, the Chiss people are um, are out there. We know that the Grisks are out there. In Legends, we know the Yuzon Vong are out there. Lots of strange alien races that have technology completely foreign to anything in the galaxy, even within the Hapes Consortium. It's an area that is incredibly fascinating and can really draw players um, into it, can really draw their fascination, as it does mine with the books that I read. I, I try to read as much as I can about them. In fact, I'm about to start the, um, pre the uh, Thrawn prequel trilogy uh, set of books that takes place directly in the Unknown Regions. To them, uh, the Chiss people, which Thrawn is a Chiss, it is the well-known regions. So it's going to be interesting to get their perspective on a on a uh, area of space that is, you know, so shrouded in mystery for the remainder of the galaxy and for most of the rest of the stories we hear. Needless to say, this is a very fascinating place, very dangerous place to put a campaign, and I'd like to 
kind of give those areas some some deep respect uh, whenever I talk about them. I give them quite a quite a bit of episodes and quite a bit of depth because um, there's a lot and yet not a lot to be talked about. There's a lot of mystery, there's a lot of speculation to be made, but there's not a whole lot that is known about it at this moment. And that's sort of the um, enticing part about it. I don't expect that we'll know a whole lot about it because otherwise we'd have to rename it from the unknown regions to something else. And that just simply wouldn't do. Anyway, I'm glad to have been able to kind of give this um, overview of the galaxy today. And in the future, I really would like to kind of get uh, down to the details about these different regions. And, you know, maybe that would kind of help me plan out a better map of of what planets to do when. Maybe a, um, an inner rim month or an outer rim month or something like that to kind of give it a bit more of a theme, give it a little bit more um, of linearity going through this, uh, going through the different planets. Um, I'm not going to do any stories today. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot. Well, okay. I say there hasn't been a whole lot happening in the, in the story of Kobe, KRT, Bodhi and friends. Uh, but truth be told, there is quite a bit, there's quite a bit of a, um, of a mess happening on the, on the space station called the wheel right now. Um, but that is still sort of in development. So I'll kind of let that play out. And once there's a good conclusion to what's happening there, then I'll come back and, and report back about what is happening. But until then, may the force be with you always. Always.